Hello and welcome to the Hairdresser Strong Show. My name is Robert Hughes and I'm your host. Uh, today we're talking to Mercedes from Trim Salon in Washington, D.C. Uh, last, last time that we talked to her, we heard all about her story from aspiring stylist to salon owner and her advice for you if you're interested in taking that same path. Today we're going to get to know more about Trim Salon, the brand, uh, Mercedes' vision, and um, where are you now, your team, culture, etc. So uh, Mercedes, for those of, uh, those viewers and listeners who didn't watch our previous interview, uh, would you just give us a little, uh, quick intro? Yeah, sure. My name is Mercedes Ortiz Oliveri. I am a salon owner, but grew up as a hairdresser in the Washington DC area. And I've been in the industry for a really long time, almost three decades. All right. Awesome. Um, uh, okay. So tell us a little bit about, um, so you, in the, in the previous uh, last conversation we had, you talked about how you were on this journey of becoming a salon owner and it was, uh, you know, there are a lot of different little steps that led you there and then you got a phone call and you were able to open up your salon. Tell us a little bit about like the, from the time that you knew that it was going to happen or whenever you started thinking about your vision for your salon and tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I was buying a salon that had existed for like 16 years and several of my friends, you know, in the hair industry over those years had worked at that salon and a couple of them had left and tried to recruit me to take their place, which I thought spoke really highly that the owner was getting people to try to bring their friends to take their jobs. Um, it meant that it was, you know, like a, a supportive, fun environment. If my friends wanted me to take their place. Um, it must be a good sign for the, like the salon culture. Um, and I, it never quite worked out for me to end up working at trim before I bought it. But I think that worked out fine because I honestly, like I said before, I don't know that I would want to have become the boss for people that I were my coworkers just cause it's just a very different dynamic. Um, and the culture of the salon just being like a, small five chair, uh, you know, woman run business for many years was something that was like a mantle. I was ready to kind of take over and lead it more into it being, um, like a community salon that involves, that is involved in being a supportive environment for its staff, but also takes a hand in like giving back to the community which was something that I had been trying to initiate at my previous salon, but they just never really took it seriously. And they're like, Oh, you want to hold an event? I'm like, no, I want it to be like a dedicated initiative of the salon that we give back. So I've been able to implement that at trim and it's worked out great. Um, right. Along with all these other things that like, you know, supporting my staff. I don't know how. Okay. Um I was going to say, I'm sorry, what I had originally envisioned back when I was like thinking about if I need to own a salon, what do I want to own? Because honestly, I had this idea that I never wanted to be a salon owner because I could leave my work at work. That was the luxury of being a stylist. Um, and, and it is the luxury of being a stylist, but I didn't find like non-toxic work environments to just kind of coast in, you know, like just keep going. Um, so I wanted to create my own, but I wanted to own a co-op. Cause I wanted the, this was, that was the, the big thing was originally I thought that I would own a co-op salon where all staff members had a hand in the ownership so that a people had more incentive to pitch in and be part of the team, but also because it would be a better, more supportive environment for the staff. If it was like a staff owned place, 
But when I bought trim, obviously the corporate structure was already set up and that wasn't the situation. So it took me a couple of years to kind of finesse figuring out how to work that into um, how to support my staff in a way that they would feel like they were being taken care of in a very healthy workplace. Okay. Uh, well, how, how did you, so can you expand on that a little bit? I'm curious. I'm very curious to know, like, did you, were you able, what exactly were you able to do and how were you able to do it? Um, so initially what I'd wanted to do was I had looked into like, all right, how can, like, what's the biggest expense people pay out of their own pockets in our industry and it's health insurance. Um, but I, everybody had their own insurance and I was like, well, maybe I can figure out a way to just give you guys money towards the insurance, like, um, like tax-free $200 a month for each staff member so that they could, you know, help pay for their own insurance. But the way our government structure is, it doesn't really allow for that. Like it would have to be taxed salary. Um, there were ways of doing it and setting up certain kinds of accounts. And I was like, I'm not trying to create more work for myself. I'm just trying to make lives of my staff members better. Um, so I initially just started doing, I introduced an IRA and like long-term disability. Cause I was like, this is very affordable. The salon hit a lot of financial roadblocks in the first several years I owned it. Um, and it was something that I was like, this is something I can handle and will like give people a little bit of like literal insurance, right? Like a, a safety net, a little bit of peace of mind. Like if somebody breaks an arm or gets cancer, gets, you know, something else happens to them and they can't work for a long period of time, this will help cover some of their bills. And the IRA, like something where I'm contributing, but they're also saving money because um, it was more affordable than like a 401k, that sort of thing. So I started with that. Um, and honestly, I was kind of just about to, it was literally the pandemic money we got from the federal government that gave me the boost to be able to be like, oh, I can afford to introduce health insurance to my staff members who don't have health insurance at all right now. Um, because we were bringing in money and then we got this like infusion and I was like, what am I going to do with this? So I surveyed my staff to figure out what they needed to feel supported and taken care of. And the common thread was um, a fear of taking off days for being sick and health insurance. Cause three, I think three of my staff members, two of my staff members did not have any insurance whatsoever. And another handful, another couple of them paid for it out of their own pocket. And then others like myself have it through our spouses. Um, so I surveyed them to figure out like, what do I think would be the best way for me to spend this money in a way that's like productive and supportive. Uh, and that's when I figured out like how to bring in health insurance and start like a paid sick leave fund. Nice. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, what was I going to say, so do you, um, are you paying, is your staff paid like a salary or commission or how is that set up? They're, they're a commission salon. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I don't know very many commission salons that, you know, offer that much stuff. Um, and usually if they do, they're, you know, multiple locations and or corporate stores or something. And um, so that's pretty awesome. So that, you know, congratulations on being able to pull that Thank off. You. It was an honor uh, to be able to. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, well, you know, so from your team, um, I imagine that, you know, you must, um, you know, if you're going to give, 
if you're going to provide that much for your team, I I'm assuming that you have like some level of expectations from, from them, or if it makes more sense to think of it, like if you're going to hire a new person or someone's listening to this and they want to hit you up uh, at some point when slash, if you are hiring in the future, um, what type of expectations are there uh, for, you know, your staff or incoming people uh, as far as like, I don't know, just whatever comes to your mind, I guess. So like, I have a hard time with that because I honestly believe that um, the, the culture of what it means to have a supportive work environment is changing. It's not like what Gen Xers or even millennials um, understood it to be. So, I mean, like I have several staff members that work part-time and still get the benefits that I offer. So it's not a matter of like me having set expectations. It's more a matter of like, come work here. We will support you in pursuing whatever it is that you want to pursue. I even had a staff member that was working up until recently part-time in a suite and part-time at the salon because it just what was suited, what suited her best. Um, I mean, eventually, and I possibly because of our environment and the, the benefits that we offer, she now is only in the salon because um, she finally was like, okay, this feels safe enough for me to leave this, the sweet environment where she was her own boss. Um, so I don't know how to answer that. Like I have expectations because I expect people to come. I expect people to train and to keep doing, you know, working to improve themselves and to grow in our industry. But I think that that's a definition that kind of um, varies from person to person. Okay. And your question very well but no no that's good um so you said uh expect them to train do you uh are you, do you do that in-house or you want expected to see them um uh go, going reaching outside of outside for that how do you so how do you handle that it's hard because everything has shifted because of covid yeah so we do in-house education four times a year i would bring in an educator and then i I used to have an assistant that would, you know, watch me, that would be there to pick my brain in the back room while I'm mixing up color. And I would explain to them, like, this is why I'm mixing up this versus this. This is why I'm going to foil, you know, the, the pattern for highlighting is going to be like this as opposed to this and how I'm going to change it up this time. Um, that sort of thing. So I feel like that's all education, right? Backroom education, which is where I learned the majority of what I know. Um, and I really believe that the majority of my peers also learned that way. So a, we would bring in education, you know, quarterly, but also there are events that we would travel to, like a left brain group has a great hair show that they used to do pre-COVID called Bayou St. Blonde, which is like a great intimate experience that is like, it was, it felt like I finally found my people and I could really learn in a way that I felt was comfortable without like big brands doing big flashy shows and like the heavy drum and bass music and the light show, like <laughs> just like a cool, relaxed experience. We're like, while egos are present, they're mostly in check, you know, like, yeah, yeah. okay, like humble hair experience. Okay. So, um, we would go to that together to learn, but also to have like a team retreat and like a team bonding experience away from the salon. Um, so I, but I also encourage people to go take classes on their own. I mean, there, there are some staff members that I say, like, actually, I think what you need specifically is a class with this person, because I think that this is what you need to learn more of. Um, if, like I see in my staff members' skill sets, things that I think that they could improve. And I'm like, okay, this is what I think you should, this is the class I think you should go take. 
And then occasionally an education event will come up and I will say like, I'll pay for half of it. If we all go, like if we go together, like we're not necessarily together, but if we go attend this event, I'll pay for half of your ticket. So it's not, uh, you know, it's an investment they're making in themselves while also having the support of the salon. So it's not the full price. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. When I bring in educators, obviously that's, that's all on the salon. The salon pays for that. Just like, the hair show like the salon pays for these things well yeah. nice that sounds amazing and um so are you uh so you said you had an assistant um uh do you not have an assistant anymore no um Is- so because of covid she kind of became like a full-time um salon administrator because we were at reduced capacity and we were right, doing right. shampoos and our space is very, very, very small. So having one extra person in there really, really kind of cramps a lot of things. And really like a lot of our restrictions were self-imposed because we have a few people, including myself that are immunocompromised. So we kind of went with very strict measures, which is why we still are not at full capacity. Um, and I honestly just, I think that, so she's leaving soon. And I just think that I, don't, I can't offer her what she needs. Like she needs an opportunity to like be on the floor as a junior stylist. And I don't think I've got that for her right now. I don't, I don't have that for her. Um, but I think that's what she needs. So she's leaving and I'm going to be working on my own again. And I'm okay with that. Um, I don't mind working without an assistant. I prefer to have somebody there because I like friends. I like buddies. I like somebody, you know, you know, somebody that I can be like, Ooh, can you go mix up a bowl of 40 volume for me? Like, well, I'm in the middle of, but it's, it's, Trim is not a hardcore, like, assistant salon. Uh, I think Trim has had assistants and has not had assistants. And when I came, when I bought Trim, it was the first time I had not worked with an assistant in, like, 15 years. So it was kind of like a shock to my system that I was all of a sudden doing all these shampoos again and all these sorts of things. But it's just not really the culture and the vibe of the salon. It's a lot of, like, independent, no double booking. It's been like that for a long time where people don't double book. Um, which is really what I think assistant is really helpful for when you need to kind of yeah. like things out. Um, yeah. it's just a slower, a slower pace. Yeah, totally. I totally get that. Um, well, uh, are you all like, uh, currently at this time? Oh, well, let's just imagine like fast forward once we get through the thick of all this, um, yeah. and you're going back to full capacity. Are you, uh, you think you'll be hiring at that point? Or you know, have I open know. availability? It's possible. I mean, I feel like <sighs> part of running the salon that I run and the way that I try to run it, I try to kind of keep things flexible. And I think that it might come a time where people want to scale back their schedules because they're bringing in enough money. I mean, people can work three days a week and still make full-time money. So yeah, I, I, awesome. with more people cutting back hours and us being open one more day a week than we used to be, it's very possible that I will need another stylist in the next year or two. And I can't say that people aren't going to leave. You know, sometimes you don't want people to leave, but you think it's just like the natural next step for them to do something different. So that may very well happen. So there's no predicting the future, but I'm always open to like supporting stylists, even if they don't work for me. Okay. And um, just so, uh, I, uh, we can, are anybody's who's like, man, Mercedes sounds awesome. I want to go work there. 
what are what what would you say is like uh, a couple of tips or advice or maybe some things that uh, if you could I don't know explain who the type of person or the work ethic or or I don't know if someone came to you like what would you, what do you be looking for and what advice do you have to people I mean, what I'm always looking for is a team player is somebody who knows like <laughs> when it's time to do the load of laundry. Do you know what I mean? Like, because the front desk can't get to it because it's a small environment. There's not a big, like a department that does this, a department that does that. We're a really tight knit team. Um, and sometimes the day is slow and we can just like hang out a little bit, but then sometimes it, like it, the, the pace picks up and it gets a little more intense. So I need somebody who would be like flexible and adjustable, somebody who can like shift gears quickly, but also somebody who's a teammate, a team member, like a good, good team player. I feel like every salon needs team players. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Um, and then let's end with, uh, well, not yet, but let's, uh, one last thing on this. Um, would you, uh, if you had to give one piece of advice to a uh, rising stylist as far as um, what it takes to get to the point where they could work with you or to get to land the job of their dreams or whatever. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to share? Well, I mean, I, I think the best thing is to find mentors and not just one, you know, like, I don't know if that's like what it would take for you to end up in a specific salon or another, but I think a really good thing, a way to nurture your talent and your skill set, not just creatively, but more importantly, the business side of how to run our industry and yourself as a business, you know, provider, um, is find people who can nurture you and mentor you through all the ways to retain a clientele to how to talk to people. And it's just really good to have like somebody who's been in the game for a long time that can walk you through a few different scenarios and how to handle things. Awesome. That's so good. Um, well, I, I think that what you're doing is sounds super awesome between from the uh, community involvement at the core of your concept as well as your ability and willingness uh and actual follow-through of providing with such a comprehensive set of benefits you definitely one of the few and uh so i think that's super awesome and um hopefully we can see uh more stuff like that happening so like to sign off i like to ask everybody for their most embarrassing moment uh as it pertains to the industry uh did you have something you wanted to share I mean, I, don't, I feel like I have a hard time with this one, but um, uh, there was the time that I very arrogantly entered a situation with a fairly new client. She'd been to me like three or four times and she was ready for me to take her salt and pepper hair back to like a nice mahogany brunette. And she had the color formula written out for me that her old hairdresser used on her, but she had let her gray grow up. So this is like a fresh canvas of like salt and pepper, a lot of white hair in there. And um, she handed me this color formulation and it was from one company to another. I, I was working with um, Fermisi 2001 at the time. This was in the late nineties, mid to late nineties. And um, I took that formula that she had given me that had like, a brown with like a red violet undertone. And I was like, Oh, I've got this. And I literally put like mahogany perfect on her hair, which like no, no natural. So I turned her hair like screaming demon, like really intense magenta. 
So there's this conservative <laughs> lady with like her, like she looked like a, like a librarian from an eighties high school movie. You know what I mean? Like, but with salt and pepper, hair, I made her hair like really, really, really bright pink. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> uh, this didn't turn out right. Uh, so I, she walked, we washed it out and I was like, okay. And I just, you know, those like mantras that be like, you know, like messing up hair color isn't the mark of a bad colorist, you know, like the, the mark of a good colorist isn't that you don't make mistakes. The mark of a good colorist is that you know how to correct them. Oh, okay. So going into the back room, being sweating for a minute, bouncing some, a million ideas off of my coworkers and then getting her back to like a mahogany brown, you know, like. Nice. But it was, it was in, I was so lucky that it was her because she did not freak out. She goes, I know you're not going to let me leave like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm not, I'm not Pat. I'm not. <laughs> so we fixed it. And she stayed a client of mine until I left that salon. She was a very loyal client. Nice. That's awesome. I love it, that story. It, well, it worked out well. Yeah, good. Um, okay, cool. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for thank contributing. You. And um, I think your story is awesome. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people get a lot out of this. Thanks. Thanks. I hope they do. They will. All right, cool. Well, I'll talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you next time. And until All then, right. uh, stay safe. And um, you do yeah. the same. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.